Hello, and welcome to Always Responding, a podcast for all first responders. I'm KB, a 19-year veteran with law enforcement. I get asked all the time what my podcast is all about and why I'm doing it. Well, to answer the first question, during every episode of Always Responding, we pay tribute to every first responder who's been killed in the line of duty. We do this by reading their names, a brief synopsis of what occurred, and, if available, the name of the agency they worked for and their years on the department. We do this for every first responder, fire, police, EMS, corrections, dispatch, etc. We will also place the photos of the fallen first responders on our website under the Tribute Page tab at www.alwaysrespondingpodcast.com. I was recently at a funeral of a friend of mine who was killed in the line of duty. While I was standing outside of the church waiting for the procession to arrive, a little girl, she couldn't have been more than maybe seven or eight, walked up to me. She was wearing a little police uniform. She thanked me and the sergeant friend of mine I was standing with for being police officers and stated she was praying for us and our safety. She handed me this card that had a picture of another little kid in the same police uniform, saluting, and it also had the American flag in the background and a saying on it. The saying said, The freedom of our country was founded not on gold, but by men and women with courage, brave and bold. Our thoughts are with you. You're always in our prayers. May this be a simple reminder that we're so proud of you. Always remember your country appreciates everything you do. And it was from an organization called www.runningforheroes.org. You know, it was in that moment, it was just great to see so many people show up to his service and to have this little girl walk up to us, hand us this card with that saying on it, and it just helped make a very hard day a little bearable. Always Responding also discusses and updates the numbers for suicides in our profession. We talk about stress, trauma, how these affect our first responders during and after our careers are over, how to manage stress while at work, and how to leave work at work. We're trying to break the stigma about talking about suicide and feeling comfortable speaking up if you're feeling stressed or you feel like you're alone and you're the only one who is struggling with issues of trauma. We have veteran guests on who discuss their struggles with trauma, stress, and how they handle both through a long career. They discuss firsthand dealings with suicide and how losing someone close to them by suicide has changed how they deal with coworkers and others. We really want Always Responding to be a podcast for all first responders and their families to come to and to feel comfortable to open up and know we are here for each other. We are a podcast that's here to ensure we all get the help and resources we need to have a long and healthy career. I also like to end every podcast with what I call a war story. It's just a little portion at the end where the guest or even I will tell an old war story, something from our time on the streets, usually something funny or crazy or offbeat, just something to end the episode on a little bit of a lighter side. So now that I've given you a glimpse into what Always Responding Podcast is all about, what do you say we get into the latest episode? Like I said, I'm KB and this is Always Responding. Oh yeah, I almost forgot. There was a second question I needed to answer. Everyone always asks me, why I'm doing this podcast. Well, that's an easy question to answer. I was tired of seeing my fellow officers giving up hope, feeling there was no way out. The suicide numbers keep rising, and there doesn't really seem to be much being done to discuss it. There seems to be a stigma around talking about suicide, 
and I'm tired of seeing my fellow officers taking their own lives. We have a hard enough time as it is dealing with assailants on the streets attacking us and taking us out. I also don't really hear any other medium out there paying tribute, broadcasting the names of all the fallen first responders on each episode, and I truly believe this is something that needed to be done so that these brave men and women are never forgotten. So there's the reason why and what this podcast is all about. Always Responding pays tribute to first responders who paid the ultimate sacrifice and were killed in the line of duty. Unfortunately, those numbers keep rising, and we are up to 128 killed in the line of duty this year so far. I will now read the names of the latest officers who have paid the ultimate sacrifice and were killed in the line of duty. Deputy Sheriff Jamar Colin Abel, Chambers County Sheriff's Office, Alabama. End of watch, Monday, June 20th. Deputy Sheriff Jamar Abel was killed in a vehicle crash on County Road 278 between Welch and Standing Rock. He was assisting the Roanoke Police Department during a vehicle pursuit when his patrol SUV left the roadway while running a curve at 4.30 p.m. The patrol car overturned after striking a ditch on the side of the road. He was transported to West Georgia Medical Center where he succumbed to his injuries. The subject was apprehended. Deputy Abel was killed on his two-year anniversary with the Chambers County Sheriff's Office. He is survived by his father and fiance. He was 24 years old and been with the department for two years. Deputy Sheriff Austin Derrick Aldridge, Spartanburg County Sheriff's Office, South Carolina. End of watch, Tuesday, June 21st. Deputy Sheriff Austin Aldridge was shot and killed while responding to a domestic call at 3.20 p.m. on Shafe Drive in Spartanburg. When Deputy Aldridge approached the house, he was ambushed by the subject. Bystanders gave medical aid to Deputy Aldridge until EMS arrived and then provided responding officers with the description of the subject and his vehicle. Another deputy spotted the subject and attempted a traffic stop. The man pretended to surrender but shot at the deputy who returned fire before fleeing again. After crashing his vehicle, the subject engaged in another shootout before running into the woods, where members of the SWAT team and a police canine took him into custody. He was taken to the hospital with non-life-threatening gunshot wounds. No officers were injured in the pursuit and apprehension of the subject. Deputy Aldridge was transported to the hospital and succumbed to his wounds at 9.26 p.m. Deputy Aldridge had served with the Spartanburg County Sheriff's Office for three years. He is survived by his wife. He was 25 years old and been with the department for three years. Detention Officer Jeremiah Story, Perry County Sheriff's Office, Arkansas. End of watch, Wednesday, June 22nd. Detention Officer Jeremiah Story was shot and killed while processing a subject into the Perry County Detention Center at 511 Alpen Avenue in Perryville. Officer Story was standing in the restroom while the subject, who had been arrested for drug charges, was changing into a jail-issued clothing. The man produced a pistol he had concealed on his person and shot Officer Story. The subject was subdued after shooting Officer Story. The man was charged with capital murder and transferred to the Faulkner County Detention Center. Officer Story was 21 years old. Sergeant Richard Lopez, Yavapai County Sheriff's Office, Arizona. End of watch, Tuesday, June 28th. Sergeant Richard Lopez was shot and killed while attempting to arrest a subject near a stagecoach trail in Red Rock Lane in Cords Lake about 12.45 p.m. He had responded to the area to investigate a theft and located the suspect nearby. The man shot him before fleeing into a nearby residence and barricading himself inside. Sergeant Lopez was transported to Honor Health Deer Valley Medical Center where he succumbed to his wounds. The subject was taken into custody after remaining barricaded in the home for several hours. Sergeant Lopez had served with the Yavapai County Sheriff's Office for 14 years. He is survived by his wife and two daughters. He was 51 years old. We also pay tribute to all canine officers killed in the line of duty. 
There have been two canine officers who paid the ultimate sacrifice since our last episode. They are Canine Drago, Columbia County Sheriff's Office, Florida. End of watch, June 15th. Canine Drago died after showing signs of a heat stroke during a training exercise in Old Steve Battle Historic State Park at 5815 Battlefield Trail Road in Sanderson. He was transported to the veterinarian clinic and succumbed to a heat stroke the next day. Canine Drago had served with the Columbia County Sheriff's Office for five years. He was a German Shepherd male. Canine XO, Pascagoula Police Department, Mississippi. End of watch, Thursday, June 23rd. Canine XO was shot and killed in the Helena area of Jackson County while tracking a suspect involved in a shooting earlier in the day. His handler had responded to the area to assist other agencies search for the man in the wooded area near Astor Street and Larkspur Street. As the man was located, he opened fire on Canine XO and his handler. Canine XO was struck twice during the shooting. His handler returned fire and wounded the man. Canine XO was transported to a veterinarian hospital where he died from his wounds. Canine XO was a Belgian Malinois male. Always responding pays tribute to all first responders who have paid the ultimate sacrifice. We will now read the names of those brave firefighters who've lost their lives in the line of duty. Firefighter fatalities in the United States currently set at 56. Here are the names of the latest to pay the ultimate sacrifice. Sean Williamson, Lieutenant, Philadelphia Fire Department. On Saturday, June 18th, Lieutenant Sean Williamson responded to a fire at a commercial building. Eight occupants of the property were safely evacuated. Approximately an hour later, the fire was under control. Firefighters remained working when the building collapsed around 3 a.m. Five firefighters and one inspector became trapped. Five of the individuals were rescued and immediately transported to the hospital. Lieutenant Sean Williamson was pronounced deceased at the scene. Sean was 51 years old. Hunter Coco, firefighter, Maxwell Community Volunteer Fire Department, Maxwell, Texas. Two brothers, Assistant Chief Jonathan Coco and Firefighter Hunter Coco, were returning from the scene of a wildland fire on Texas Highway 20 in Brush, Texas, when the driver of a privately owned vehicle failed to yield and was struck by the truck. The brush truck rolled over, killing both Assistant Chief Jonathan Coco and Firefighter Hunter Coco. Hunter was 21 years old. Jonathan Coco, Assistant Chief, Maxwell Community Volunteer Fire Department, Maxwell, Texas, was also part of the fatal accident that I just read. Jonathan was 25 years old. Joshua Haynes, Firefighter, Lynn County, Rural Fire District No. 1, Pleasanton, Kansas. On Monday night, June 20th, Firefighter Joshua Haynes responded to a building fire at Carpenter Chiropractic. While fighting the fire, he experienced a medical emergency and collapsed at the scene. He was airlifted to the University of Kansas Medical Center where he passed away Wednesday, June 22nd. The cause and nature of his death are under investigation. Joshua was 35 years old. Always Responding will continue to pay tribute each and every episode to all the brave men and women who pay the ultimate sacrifice so that they are never forgotten. We'll also update the numbers for first responder suicides and as of today, there have been 63 law enforcement officers, 11 firefighters, 4 correction officers, and 1 dispatcher who have committed suicide this year alone. Like I mentioned on my last episode, if you log on to the website, it's www.alwaysrespondingpodcast.com, then click on the resource tab, you will find several resources available for you to check out. Click on any of these links in the resource page and you'll be taken directly to their website, which will provide you all the information you need. Always Responding will continue to work with many associated organizations to ensure 
all first responders receive the help and resources we need to ensure we all have a long and healthy career. It's now my great honor and pleasure to introduce my next guest on Always Responding. He's an amazing man, person, and I'm very lucky to be able to call him my friend. Please join me in welcoming to the show, Roger, who is a chaplain with the police department. Welcome to Always Responding, Roger. Well, thank you, Keith. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. You know, uh, you and I have talked about this in the past, and I didn't realize this, and like I said, we've known each other for years, but I didn't realize this. You actually started out as a pastor. Is that correct? Yes. I started out as a pastor about 35 years ago as a uh, youth ministry, uh, youth director, so on and so on, and uh, became associate pastor from there. Oh, wow. Now, and you and I were just talking before the show started, and this is something also I'm, I'm just now learning as well. You were actually in the military. Yes, I was in the military back in the 70s, so you know how old I am. <laughs> so I was in the military. I was in the Air Force for six years. And when I got out of the military, I became a private uh, Department of Defense contractor and uh, went from there. Uh, but there, I was a chaplain for the company. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I appreciate your service for the country. And then, so obviously something changed and you transitioned to being a chaplain for the police department. Can you please just kind of explain to the listeners that process and how that worked? Well, my family, including my wife's family, her father was a 30-year cop, very supportive of law enforcement. Uh, and I was accepted at one time, I was accepted as uh, going to the Alaska State Troopers Academy but the remote duty assignments and everything wasn't conducive to my newlywed status and <laughs> family uh, wasn't very supportive of it. But I mean, they were supportive of me being an officer, but they weren't supportive of family separation. So that's when I joined the military. And after I joined the military, I got out and became very involved with uh, the youth of our church and being involved in just other avenues of the church and then eventually became one of the pastors there. At some point after that, uh, did you roll into your work with the police department or where did that oh, yeah, take yeah. place? Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. No, no worries. I, I did, uh, uh, because of my supportiveness of all the family and everything, uh, I was still closely involved with military police and with the local law enforcement because I have many uh, relatives who actually work in the department, uh, either as a last or a supervisor or uh any different things. But my senior pastor at the church that I attended, he was also a police chaplain. And he said, with my background and my law enforcement support that I had and loved, he thought I would do a good job. So I applied and uh, they accepted me. And then how many years ago was that? I became a police chaplain, officially a police chaplain in 2007 or 2008, I believe, 15 years ago. Oh, wow. And now you're still currently a police chaplain, correct? Yes, sir. Oh, that, yep. that is awesome. Um, and then just, if you could, because there's a, a lot of people out there, probably for a lot of maybe the smaller departments that aren't really sure, and you don't have to get into like specific details, but generally, what are some of your job duties as a chaplain for a police department? I am supposed to, well, supposed to, I get to, <laughs> uh, I provide uh, emotional, moral, and spiritual support if they so request the spiritual support part of it, of all employees, in particular uh, law enforcement officers and their families. We're required to do ride-alongs because that is a 
firsthand immediate way of being able to get close to somebody and understand who they are and they understand who I am and they know that I'm there for them. We are 100% confidential in our um, confidentiality with the exception of two things and that is the harm of any child or senior citizen and or immediate detriment of self-harm to themselves. There's all kinds of things. We're on 24-hour emergency call. We have to pass an in-depth criminal background investigation, which if I have time here, if I could, I, when I applied, they asked me if I could pass a background investigation, and I kind of laughed. And they, they got not indignant, but they, well, this is not a funny matter. I said, well, I don't mean to laugh, but I have a top secret background investigation already on me, and it's current. So I think I can pass one. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm good. That's funny. Now, do you do you feel that for you personally? I, I know you can't answer for the other chaplains on that. I guess I guess maybe this is a two part question. Maybe I should ask my first the first question. How many chaplains are actually working for the department that you you're currently working for? Do you know? I believe I know for a fact because I heard it in a a meeting the other day. I know for a fact we have thirteen or fourteen chaplains on staff right now. Okay. Which we fall under the police employees assistance program. At one time, there was only five. Then now it's 13. And I think at one time we had 20 something, but then either due to illness or moving or whatever, uh, we're down to that 13 number. Okay. And then one of the things that I like to emphasize on my podcast here, Always Responding, is that, you know, the stress of the job, the trauma of the job, how it affects us as first responders throughout our career can be detrimental. And one of the things that with this job, how it, it really affects us is the number of the suicide numbers have really risen over the years and they continue to rise. And one of the things that um, I was talking about earlier in my in my episode was that the number of suicides this year for law enforcement, law enforcement has been 63 and it just continued to rise. Do you feel that as being a chaplain and being out there doing the ride-alongs as you have over the years, over the 15 years you've been doing this, you can get a feel with these officers, um, how the stress is affecting them and how the trauma is affecting them. And do you feel that the chaplain program in itself has been, has been successful and is, is a program that can help with the stress of the, of the job and with the stress of the trauma that's affecting the officers on a daily basis? You know, I, I totally get and understand that the stress and the trauma of the job really, really affects first responders, in particular law enforcement. You know, the sad part is you can't ever tell when that switch is going to go off and all that stress and trauma is going to get them. It could be immediate. It could be months. It could be years down the road. But on the other hand, on the continuation of that, when you were asking about, do I think that the chaplain program has been successful in that? I believe it's helped and success really, we can't measure it because all we can do is try and help and let them know that we are here for them. We are here to, as a sounding board for them. We're here for as a, a conduit for them to talk about their stress because they don't want to take it home. They don't want to take it home. But in reality, if you're having a bad day, when you take it home, you shared your life with that person that you are joined with in marriage or in coexistence with each other, living with each other, whatever the thing, even if it's family and not a spouse, they're wanting to know what's wrong with you. And if you're not talking to them, 
you're holding it in. So we're an avenue that they can talk to because they don't want to take it home if they'll talk to us. So I think in that aspect, I think we're doing as well as we can. I'd like to do more and I'd like to see us do better, but that's going to depend on the officers trusting us and coming to us with that, with those problems. Yeah, you're right on the mark there, uh, Roger. That's always been one of the biggest issues, I believe, with with officers and I mean, all first responders really, just the, the ability and feeling comfortable with being able to come forward and talk about your problems and feeling comfortable coming up and talking to anybody about what's bothering you and, and the stress levels that you're under <laughs> and, and feeling comfortable um, coming forward and just expressing that you're having trauma uh, issues or stress issues and not keeping it bottled up. Um, you know, one of the things that I talk about on my show all the time is being able to leave work at work and be able to go home and, and having those de-stressor times with your family. But you, like you said, you, you really, um, hit it right on the head is being able to go home and having somebody, whoever it is, whether it's your spouse, your partner, a family member or whoever, being able to go home and, and feeling comfortable about expressing what happened during your day. But, you know, I've been doing this job almost 20 years now. You know, for me personally, I don't want to go home and tell my wife about really bad call I was on, right. you know, during the day because I don't want yeah, to put that on want, her. Right. You don't want her to worry. Exactly. A hundred percent. But then, it, but then again, we don't want to keep them in the dark either. Yeah. Because they worry that, well, why isn't he talking to me? Yeah. You know, that, it, leads, that leads to relationship problems. Well, we won't get into that part. (laughs) And it's funny that you mentioned that because I just read a book called uh, Relentless Relentless Courage. And it was about a sergeant in, um, in California, just out San Francisco. And he had the same problem. He had a really bad, stressful call. Um, It was an OIS officer involved shooting. And after the shooting, he went home and kept it from his wife. He was like, I don't want to put this on her. I'm dealing with this. I don't want her to go through this trauma that I'm going through. And it, it eventually it ended up being in a divorce. So it's the same thing, yes. you know, you, you keep yes. that trauma from your, from your spouse and you're like, you think you're doing the, the right thing by, um, you know, keeping all that away from them and all that trauma away from them. But in reality, you're separating yourself from your spouse and you're, and you're right. building a wedge between them. I mean, exactly. It's like, and it snowballs because it goes mm-hmm. from that trauma to this, to that, to bad, just a bad day to not talking to each other. And then things just start coming to your mind. You start making things up. And the relationship is shot. Well, and like you said, I mean, you know, and like we always say on the show, you take that, that's that's one trauma, one day, then you have one right. shift. And then now you're looking at over 15, 20, 25 year career, you know, you can see how that t- completely affects exactly. an officer, a firefighter, EMS worker, dispatcher, correct, whoever the case may be for a first responder. And now we can see why we're having so many cases with people with, with trauma, with having um, PTSD why the suicide numbers are going up. I applaud the the chaplain program because, you know, something needs to be out there and there needs to be somebody in that frontline position. And, you know, and I love how you and other chaplains come out and do the ride along programs, uh, you know, be in that seat beside us. You know, I loved when you rode with me because uh, it was somebody out there that I could talk to and you weren't judging me, you know, and you listened and you didn't second guess me and you weren't judging how I was doing the job. You were just somebody there that I could feel very comfortable talking to. It was, it was an amazing experience for me personally, uh, with the chaplain program, with you personally, you know, you, you were somebody that I felt very comfortable talking to. So for me, the chaplain program is a very successful program. Do you feel there's anything about the chaplain program that needs to be changed or can be made better? I don't know if I'd call it changed. It would be nice if we 
I mean, we're getting more and more training. Don't get me wrong. The, the program has plenty of opportunities to have training. A lot of it is in-house. Mm-hmm. We, have, we have very qualified people to have training classes, but it would be nice. I can't remember the acronym for it, but there's this nationally certified chaplain program that is exactly that, nationally certified. And it's all across the country. And I think the most recent one is going to be held in Flagstaff, but it's costly. Right. I'm saying, you know, it'd be nice if that was uh, part of our training program in all departments, not just our department. I don't think there'd be any change to anything. I like, I think it's working. I think we're, we're growing. And I, I believe officers, and I'm talking all the way up to the top, are accepting and, and liking the chaplain program. And that, that says a lot because, like you said, you've been doing this for 15 years. And usually within that time frame, there's, you know, hiccups and issues. And, mm-hmm. you know, somebody in your status that's been doing it for as long as you have, usually when you ask that question, it's like, oh, yeah, I would change this. I would do this. I would add that. But obviously the program is working. And for, for it to be going 15 years and you're like, well, yeah, I really wouldn't change anything. It's obviously a, a very good program. Since you've been doing this for 15 years, and obviously you've ridden with probably hundreds of different officers in that time frame. Has there any, ever been a time with an officer that you felt a uh, resistant or kind of hesitant from that officer or any officer that you've done a ride along from? Initially, yes, when I first started, because I was still working and I worked for, I had a, a position where I needed to be, uh, people thought I was a cop. No. Because I had the I had the high and tight haircut and things like that. I don't th- I don't know if they just didn't trust me or whatever. But in particular, I'll just give this one instance. But in the briefings, when they say, "Hey, who wants to ride with the chaplain?" and it's like crickets, <laughs> <laughs> which is okay. I totally get it. Right. I wouldn't want I wouldn't want to have to drag somebody along because now you got responsibility of watching him. Now you got to keep him safe. Now you got to worry about what you're going to do, what you're going to say. You got to worry about your language. I worked in the military for six years and I was associated with military for over 30 years. So been there, done that, heard it all. Uh, That part shouldn't bother. But the one instance I could tell it was really resistant to me riding with him, checking out the car, making sure his equipment was safe, make sure the radio was working, logging into the computer, so on and so on. Got into the vehicle, gave me the spare key just in case he, you know, had to go off somewhere and I didn't want to be locked out of the car or something like that. But before we pulled out of the spot, it was like, okay, what do you expect to get out of this? And it was a very demanding question. I don't expect anything. I don't expect a thing out of this except your company and to get to know you and you get to know me. And we just have, if you don't want to talk, we don't have to talk. And I'm not going to have a pen and a paper writing anything down. I don't have any recordings. I'm just here for you. I'm just letting you know that you do your job and I will sit here. And if you want to talk, I'll talk. If you want me to listen, I'll listen, so on and so on. And by the end of the ride, he said, okay, chap. And he went from chaplain to, okay, chap, you can ride with me anytime you want. That's awesome. And, but, you know, there's resistance. I I understand it. Yeah. I understand. Well, it's probably new for the officers too, you know, especially when the program first started. They they didn't know what to expect, you know. Right. I think that was about, I think that was in my fifth year. No, that was in my second year as a chaplain. So it was pretty pretty new. (laughs) You know, it's funny. I got a a funny story. I know probably, 
I would say it's probably the first time you rode with me uh, when you first came on to the, the area command that I was working at. And um, I was from the, you know, obviously I spent four years in the Navy, so I have the Navy way of speaking, uh, so to speak. Right. <laughs> so, um, and of course, being in the police department, that didn't help. But I remember you riding with me and the, something happened. And just out of normal talking and the way I, I, I say things, uh, the first time I cussed, <laughs> just out of habit, and I, I was so scared. I looked over at you, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, I just cussed in front of the chaplain. And you looked at me and just started laughing. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry, sir. And you're like, um, it's okay. I, I was in a service, too. It's fine. I'm like, oh, goodness gracious. I was like, I'm going to get in so much trouble. I just cussed in front of the chaplain. <laughs> so, I do. I do. I do remember that. You remember I that? Oh yeah, yeah. I remember that. You were like, you were like, you had your hands up, and oh, I'm so, oh, I'm yeah. so apologetic. You were mortified. I was. I, <laughs> I said, I can't believe I just cussed in front of the chaplain. I was so scared. I was so, I was like, oh my god, because it was just, it, it just, it was natural for me just to cuss, and, you know. But, they're not virgin. They're not virgin ears. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but it was the first time being around the chaplain, you know. So I'm like, I didn't know you that at that moment, you know. It's, it's the first right. time you rode with me. So I'm like, oh my, oh Lord, he's gonna talk. He's gonna. Tell my my sergeant I cussed in front of him. <laughs> that's my funny. That's my funny chaplain story. Real quick, is there anything like the new officers coming out now? Obviously, they have a long career ahead of them, and there's a lot of stress that they're going to have to endure. A lot of trauma they're going to see. Things have changed from back when you and I started, you know. And a, a lot of things are different now. Is there yes. any advice that you would have for the new officers or any first responder um, that, like my son, he's uh, just starting. He's he works for a paramedic service here. And is there any advice that you would give to the new officer, new first responder, just starting their career? Just starting out, first of all, work hard, have your partners back. It doesn't matter if you're a firefighter, paramedic, law enforcement, you got each other's back. You have to have each other's back and work hard. Don't try and skate your job just to get through. And more importantly, to keep your family first, because without your family, you have no support other than what you have at work and you can't take work home with you only so many times can you ask the guys to go out and have a beer with you eventually they got lives and they're going to say well you know i'm kind of busy now you're by yourself gotta keep family and friends and keep work at work and move on moving on hey, amen to that. that that obviously is one of my mottos i have here uh, always responding is keep work at work because at the end yes. of the day, when you're done with this job, whatever job it is, whatever you're doing as a first responder, I mean, this is for any job, really. Yes. When you're done, whether you retire or change careers or whatever, that job is always going to be there, you know? Yes. Crime was yeah. crime before I started. Crime is crime right now. And crime is going to be crime when I retire. God willing. Exactly. Um, exactly. You know, and they'll replace you. They'll find another P number, um, right. you know? So your, your family is, is all you have when you walk away from this career. And exactly. if you don't spend time with them now and, and enjoy the moments you have now, you never know what tomorrow is going to bring, you know, and that's a perfect example. Uh, you know, every time I log into the officers down memorial page or the fire department administration page and see those names of those fallen first responders that have you know paid the ultimate sacrifice, it just really brings it home to me that you're not promised tomorrow. You know, anything can happen. 
You can be right. driving down the road and get into an accident. You can go to a domestic call and get ambushed. You can, right. you know, they just had one that I read where he was in, um, I forget what state it was in, but he was a correction officer and he was waiting for the inmate to change out of his clothes. And somehow or another, the inmate brought a gun into the jail and the inmate turned around and shot and killed him in the jail. Well, that's sad. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy how life is now and we're not promised tomorrow. So you're right. right. I mean, that's, you know. You sure you're not a chaplain? <laughs> no, no. Uh, I, I'm not sure I'd pass the background. <laughs> Uh, you know, and I appreciate everything that you've, you've mentioned above. I mean, you, you've nailed everything. And, um, you know, as we come to the end of this episode, it's another edition of something that I love. And, and like I said, I like to, to have every ending of every episode kind of a little happy and a little bit more less dramatic and, you know, sad. So I like to call what I uh, end of my episodes war stories. And I know you've been on numerous ride-alongs during your time as a chaplain. I was just wondering, uh, do you have a chaplain ride-along war story you'd like to share with us? Uh, uh, like you said, there's many of them. There's many of them where I've had issues where the, the officers are just standing around laughing at me <laughs> because of what happened, <laughs> which is okay, you know. But one in particular, I guess, comes to mind is uh, I was riding along with this with an officer with one of these officers, and we went on a call. And it was a barricade, and the the person in the barricade was throwing things around. It was in one of the motels on one of the local streets, anyway. And he was breaking things, and um, they said, "Well, they tried to get in, but he's in the bathroom, so on and so on." After I got to know the procedures and things like that, you know, initially they say stay in the car, you know, lock the doors, whatever. Mm -hmm. But eventually, I just stay behind the officers. Well, as we're going up the stairs and going into this place, or they're going up to the place, all of a sudden they stop, and somebody said, what's going on? And the lead guy turns around and looks at everybody and says, hey, we got the perfect shield here. Why don't we put the chaplain up front? He's taller than us, and he's got God on his side. <laughs> <laughs> and oh my goodness, they started roaring and laughing. I mean, it ended up being a, the call was very, the guy surrendered and everything. It was just, I'm going, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> of course, everybody was taller than this person I'm talking about. So. Right, right. <laughs> I know exactly who you're talking about too. <laughs> and I, you know, it's funny, I could see this officer doing that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and you know what the funny thing is? He's probably serious too. <laughs> Yeah, he probably would have done it. Yeah, he probably. If I would have said, "Yeah, okay, whatever." Yeah, you know, that you is. You have to wear. I have to wear a vest too. So. <laughs> Knowing this officer, I 100 percent he would have done it. Yeah, that is fantastic. Oh my god, that's awesome. <laughs> that's good stuff. That's perfect. <laughs> Well, listen, th you know, thank you so much for sharing your war story with us today. I, I really appreciate you coming on the show and spending some time with us. I know the time you and I have spent together during our ride-alongs, although I didn't put you up as, as a shield uh, while I was in patrol, <laughs> will be something uh, that I'll always treasure. I truly will. 
and, and the police department is better having you as one of their chaplains and continue doing what you do. The service you and the other chaplains provide to all officers can never be measured. So thank you again for taking the time out of your busy day to join me on Always Responding and providing your expertise and for providing your time and commitment to the men and women of law enforcement for the past 15 years. Please take well, care of yourself, my friend, and may God bless you and your family. Well, thank you very much. It's a pleasure on being in here with you. And I want to say God bless you and all law enforcement first responders and your families. Thank you. Well, we're wrapping up another edition of Always Responding. Thank you for spending some time with me today. I truly appreciate you. We're all in this together, and we are all first responders. If you're in corrections, fire, EMS, or dispatcher and would love to be on the show, please email us at alwaysresponding at gmail.com. We'd love to get you on and interview for one of our upcoming shows. But remember, everyone on the show will be asked to provide a war story for the episode's ending, so have one ready. There's no exceptions. We also have our website up and running. Please stop by and check it out. It's www.alwaysrespondingpodcast.com. Be sure to stop by the website, click on the tribute tab. There you can honor the fallen first responders that we read from the episode today. We can also be found on Facebook at KB Always Responding Andrew or Always Responding Podcast and on Instagram at hashtag Always Responding Podcast. Thanks again for spending some time with me today and a huge thank you to my guest chaplain for joining us today. I hope everyone has a long, safe, and healthy career. This is KB with Always Responding, saying thank you. And remember, as they would always say in that 80s cop show, let's be safe out there.